Welcome back to Saltier Politics. Julie, how is your week going? My week is great because my child is off to camp during the day, which means that I finally have been productive. I've gotten my life back to some extent. Um, I went to meetings. I have gotten work done. I'm able to work like a normal work day. And it's, it's unbelievable how much you miss it and how much you don't appreciate it until you don't have it. And for the last, I don't know, four or five months, I haven't had it. So it's wonderful. And I only dread what's going to happen when school comes back and I will not be able to have this again, but it's halcyon days here. How are you? How's Florida? Well, Florida, as you know, has broken the record for the largest daily increase in new cases. So I don't, I'm just, I'm very salty about it, Julie, because something that always sticks in my mind is I remember when I was younger, my dad was telling me about not to drive while drinking, no, no drunk driving. And he would say, you know, okay, you could, God forbid, hurt yourself, but then Think about someone else you'd hurt for you being selfish. You would change someone's family and you could hurt someone and kill them forever. And is that something you would want to live with? And it it makes me think of that because all of the people that I'm seeing in my state and the lawmakers who are so callous and not wearing masks when it's so easy, it it, it makes me think of that. It's like if, if you spread it to somebody who loses their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister, whoever, their best friend, can you live with that? I'm, I'm very, I'm very frustrated. Well, that's an excellent point because what's so hard about wearing a mask? Like what, what is so awful about wearing a mask? Let's say there's a 99% chance that wearing a mask doesn't save any lives and it's just an inconvenience, but there's a 1% chance that it does save somebody's life. Now, we know from people with medical degrees that the chances of protecting yourself and protecting others wearing a mask is much higher than that, but let's say, let's give everybody who doesn't wanna wear a mask the benefit of the doubt and say 1% chance that you can keep yourself or your loved ones or strangers safe from a really bad illness if you wear a mask. Why not do it? Explain to me, what's the issue here? Why are people just in Florida? I see them, and it's not just Florida. I saw pictures from the Jersey Shore where people are just flocking to the beaches and not really self-social distancing and not really protecting themselves or others by wearing masks. Like, what, what's the deal? I don't understand. I, honestly, I, I want somebody to tweet us or, or email us and tell us, if you really hate wearing masks, Why? It's, it's just really getting me mad. And when I don't see people with them, I, I literally would like to run them over with my car because it's just, it's so easy. It's so easy and it could protect, again, if, if you don't care about yourself, like protect that someone's mom, protect, protect your best friend. You know, it just, it's triggering me so bad, Julie. So that, that is what's bothering me. There's like a sense of um, selfishness that's permeated this country to some extent and and, and elements in this country that's just really come to the fore in a way that we used to be able to tell people in kindergarten to share your stuff and be kind to each other. I remember there was a book a long time ago called Everything I Needed to Know in Life I Learned in Kindergarten or something along those lines. But think, think about the things that you kind of have preschool teachers or kindergarten teachers tell your kids. Be nice to each other. The golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have done unto you. Um, treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, 
just, just, and I get it. Look, nobody's perfect and, and nobody is certainly, I think all of us have done things in life that we're not necessarily proud of. Um, but there are certain things that are just not hard. Same reason you don't walk down the street and kick a perfect stranger for no reason, right? Unless you're a sociopath. You don't go around walking down, I don't know, let's use Donald Trump's analogy, down Fifth Avenue, and you don't just automatically kick somebody just for the hell of kicking somebody. Right. You just don't do that. It's just not nice. And it's going to hurt somebody if you do that. And why would you do that? It's just crazy. Why would you? This is the same thing. Why don't you just walk around wearing a mask? What's so hard about that? Just, just, just in case, just to be nice. The same reason you wear a seatbelt, just in case. You don't get into the car expecting to get into a horrible car accident, but just in case, even if you're the best driver in the world, you wear a seatbelt in case somebody else hits you and you go flying through the windshield, or you hit somebody by mistake and you go flying through a windshield. Right. Same thing, right? I completely agree. Switching gears a little bit because I am just pure pissed on this issue. But we have a question from a friend of the pod, the wonderful Ken Martin. He is asking, we know Biden says he's going with a female vice presidential nominee. A bold move in itself, although it is time. We should have had a woman president, but right now I digress. As much as I like Kamala Harris, Val Demings, and Stacey Abrams, is in the current climate, can Biden win with a black running mate? He said, I'm thinking go with Warren as VP and Harris as AG and get the other ladies into the cabinet. The reason Hillary Clinton did not, you know, there's this whole fallacy out there. It's not a fallacy, but there's a there's there's a talking point out there. That the reason that Hillary Clinton lost was because um, people, I guess, in the white working class who had voted for Barack Obama, switched and voted for Donald Trump. And we've paid a lot of attention, a lot of attention to those people. Um, and that's right. And that's fine. That's one of the reasons. The other reason is there really wasn't much of a turnout, or I shouldn't say there wasn't much of a turnout. When Democrats win, it's because um, African-American women, African-Americans, but really African-American women, carry them over the threshold. I mean, African-American women are literally the backbone of the Democratic Party. How many times are you going to go to the well and ask them to deliver for you and leave them as the bridesmaid, but never the bride? I just profoundly disagree. I really do. Um, first of all, say what you will about Elizabeth Warren. She and Joe Biden are both in their 70s. And uh, I think it'd be nice to have a vice president who is a little younger than that, considering the age of both the incumbent president, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden. What's the issue? We elected a black president twice. By the way, that black president got more votes than Ronald Reagan. I don't know if people understand that in the aggregate. So we there's no fear of electing a black president or a black vice president. And by the way, if you're not gonna vote for somebody because they're black or their vice president's black, you're probably not voting for a Democrat. I mean, you're, you're just you're just not. You're just looking for an excuse to vote for Donald Trump. Um, so I just disagree with that profoundly. I think actually we need to motivate African-Americans. They're motivated. Look, communities of color, I think, are already motivated to vote because they know Joe Biden, as we saw in South Carolina. But more importantly, they really know Donald Trump. But having said that, enough, enough of taking them for granted. Like, it's very, look, we've had a black secretary of state. Um, 
Condi Rice, ironically enough, Republican. We've had black attorney gen attorneys general. Um, but at some point, and we've had a black president, but, but how many times are you going to leave black women at the altar? Right. They're really the backbone. Like they are the backbone. And you cannot go to the well. I will be really disappointed, really disappointed if Joe Biden does not choose an African-American running mate, a, a black woman. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to vote for him. Obviously, I am. Um, but I'm going to be disappointed because enough of taking this community for granted. It really upsets me that, that that's what we would do. And again, ask African-American women once again to deliver. Once again, show up and vote. Once again, carry the Democratic Party to victory. Once again, be the savior of the party. But by the way, not enough to reward you with the second most powerful job in the country. So I, I just, I, I profoundly disagree with that. The movie no. Irresistible with Steve Carell, it's the Jon Stewart movie. And anyway, he plays a Democratic consultant. Oh, sorry, did I, did I not mention that I have a small child in the last adult movie that I've seen? Um, was like Lincoln before he was born, or right uh, when he was born. No, well, I, I don't watch movies, sorry. Okay, but go well, ahead. anyway, there was this just part in the beginning of the movie where, so Steve Carell wants to go to a random Wisconsin town and run this Marine veteran, white dude, farmer as a Democratic candidate. And they're like, we need to get the white voters in, in have the Democratic Party recapture them. And then there's yeah. a scene where they're at the table and then, in front of the DNC and there's this black woman there who's just like, what about us? Now, now you're more concerned with the white voters in the middle of the country and you're taking for granted yet again, the black women who do vote for you and who do show up. So let me give you a statistic. Um, you know, the last Democrat to win the presidency with the majority of the white vote, who? Lyndon Johnson. Wow. Democrats have never won since 1964. Democrats have never won a presidential election with the majority of the white vote. Oh and my God. So think about that. Think about who carries us to victory. I'm not saying we're not, we don't get a sizable chunk of the white vote. We are elected um, because communities of color support us and come out for us. Um, and by us, I mean Democrats, not white people. Okay. Um, and you know, you gotta, you gotta reward them for that. You've got to show them that they're worthy of a seat at the table. And I mean, a real seat at the table. It's more about optics than anything else. It's about telling black women that they are worthy of being president one day, that they are a heartbeat away from the presidency and that they are worthy of taking over for a president should he not be able to serve. It is sending a message that they are worthy of that seat at the table. And that's all there is to it. And I don't believe that somehow Joe Biden's gonna hurt his electoral chances by selecting a black woman. I just don't. So all right. that, there, there's my answer to our friend of the pod. Thank you, that was a great question though. It allowed me to, to, to get that off my chest because I've been thinking about that for a long time now. Excellent, and anybody else who wants to ask us questions, send them in. Um, okay, so. Have you heard of the Free Britney campaign, Julie? You mentioned it to me. You sent me an email, but I must admit, I, I kind of skimmed it. Okay. I think they want they want to release her from her conservatory, conserv conservatorship, conservatorship. Conservatorship. Yes. Conservatorship. So it's been going around. 
uh, social media and why is a free Britney movement gaining momentum? In this case, it means that a 38-year-old woman with over 30 years in the music and entertainment industry cannot drive a car, get married, spend her own money, see how her money is being spent, hire her own lawyer, or even leave her home without her father's permission. However, she still remains coherent and self-sufficient enough to her conservators to release four albums and maintain a Vegas residency, among many other career accomplishments. Um, so people have been seeing her posts online and seeing that she's wearing certain colors and, and saying it's a call for help. And then major suspicions regarding this conservatorship are simply that she cannot reach out to independent counsel to, to defend her own autonomy in a pattern of institutionalization every time she steps out of line. Brittany pays over $1 million a year to her conservatorship, but only gets an allowance of $1,500 a week for essentials. First of all, I don't think Brittany lives on $1,500 a week, so let's just start off with that. Um, I'm sure that her houses and other uh, amenities are, are paid for out of um, those funds. But Brittany, uh, I don't know much about Brittany and her. I haven't really been paying attention to Brittany much in the last decade or so since she shaved her head um, and decided to smash up a car. But, when the conservatorship started. Right. Um, I, you know, so I, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like Britney had some issues that she needed to resolve. Britney Spears is a great example of why I would never, over my dead body, allow my child to get into show business. And why people sometimes ask me why I never post his face even on Twitter, or why um, I never mention him by name, even though his name's pretty much out there, and why I never used to bring him um, on shows when I was at Fox and, and do like a cooking segment with him or, or kind of allow him to, to ever um, be on, on air. I just, this is my personal opinion, but I just don't think that it is healthy for children to be in show business, especially when they get to the point as Britney Spears did or, or Lindsay Lohan did, where they become the financial supporters of their parents so that the parents rely on the kids, maybe not for their livelihood, but for a really nice lifestyle, right? Like I'm sure Mr. and Mrs. Spears were doing just fine. And I'm sure Mr. and Mrs. Lohan were as well, but I'm pretty sure that their children's money allowed them to do really, really, really well. And I don't think that's healthy for a kid to be. And so am I surprised that Britney Spears is in the position she's in at the age of 38? I mean. There are some kids who come out of it and have productive, wonderful lives. Um, some of whom I know. I mean, Melissa Francis, who, who um, is a Fox, obviously was a child actress um, and then left that behind, went to Harvard and, and has a whole different career and is obviously a, a, a doesn't have the issues that a Britney Spears does. So there are people that I know personally, not, not just her, but others as well, who've had a perfectly normal sort of adulthood but you hear so many of these stories, you know, you hear about Lindsay Lohan and Britney Spears and, and, and the different Strokes cast, which I think was before your time, but was very much during my time. Um, and it's just not right. It's just not healthy. And so was she born with these, with what they allege are mental issues? I mean, yes, I think some of this stuff is biological. Um, is it exacerbated by the pressure of being sexualized at the age of 12? Um, and having to pretend to be a virgin in this little virginal girl in a little virginal Catholic school girl uniform or, or a little Catholic school girl kilt um, during the Hit Me Baby One More Time video. And meanwhile, 
Um, she admits that she, at the age of 15, she was living with Justin Timberlake, which is way too young to be living with anybody, um, unless it's your parents. You know, I'm not surprised that she's 38 and she, she, she has these issues. And so, again, I don't know about her being uh, her father having control of her finances and control of her life and, and having to sign off and everything. Again, that's I, I, I couldn't judge. But generally speaking, her parents should have known and should have appreciated the environment they were getting their kids into. But just the competition alone to make it onto the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh my gosh. I read Jessica Simpson's book recently um, for a little escape. And right. it, it, just saying how cutthroat it was with, with all of these really talented kids at the time, but that was their whole life. And that was everything they knew. So when I was about, I don't even know, nine, 10, my parents, for some random reason, had me audition for a casting call for a Robert De Niro movie. I think it was called Once Upon a Time in America. I don't know if that was the name of the movie. Anyway, uh, it was an open casting call. I have no idea in the world why they thought this was a good idea other than I was completely obsessed with Annie, the movie, and desperately was praying to God every night that somebody would discover me and put me on um, in, in the show on Broadway. And so, and I was very musical when I was a little kid. In fact, I, I had a really pretty powerful voice. So um, I was going to musical theater in school, but when I was a little kid, and then I started smoking cigarettes at about age 14 and my voice went to hell. Um, don't try that at home. Um, uh, but when I was little, um, anyway, they let me audition. I, I forgot whose idea it was. But so I show up and there's like, it's an open casting call. I didn't have an agent. This wasn't, this was literally like, I think they read about it in the paper and they're like, fine, go. Um, there were, I can't even tell you the hundreds, if not thousands of, of kids who showed up. And I don't even think I made it into the room. I think they stopped before they got to me in the line. Like, I think they just had seen enough people that day and they're like, all right, see you later. Um, this is all very, 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 very hazy to me because it was a long time ago. But the point is, every time the phone would ring for the next month or two, I would run to the phone somehow thinking that they were calling me back to audition um, or, or for something. I didn't know what I was, I didn't even know what to expect. And like the pressure that I saw these kids put on themselves and I even put on myself and I wasn't even in the room to audition was insane, 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 insane. And I get that it's the kind of pressure you have to get onto sports teams and, and in school, which all of us obviously tried out for. And, and sometimes you make it and sometimes you don't. And life is about competition, but not to that extent when your self-worth is defined by whether you look a certain way or you can be a certain way for the camera, which is sometimes very, well, I can tell you from personal experience, who you are for the camera is not always um, who you are in real life. Um, and it's just hard. I mean, it's hard. It's hard when you're an adult to be approached um, by people on the street, never mind when you're a little kid and that you start to believe that your self-worth is defined by how many records you sell or how many people approach you on the street or how many um, autographs are asked to sign or what your ratings are. Um, again, I mean, I had to contend with some of that as an adult and it wasn't, I didn't really care necessarily, but I think you have to be a fairly mentally healthy person to not care. Also, you know, I, I kind of had the self-confidence that comes from adulthood. Um, as children, you just don't have it. When Britney Spears, I think it was 1999, when the Hit Me Baby One More Time video came out, 
I remember exactly where I was when I first saw it. I was at my friend's house. We are older than Britney. Somehow came on and both of us are watching this. And I was like, who is that? He's like, oh, it's this real Britney Spears. And I said, all right. So I kind of like the song. Um, but her approval and her success depended on my friend and me sitting there liking what she was doing. Her entire self-worth was caught up in that because that's all she was ever told from childhood. So no wonder Britney wanted to shave her head after a while and smash some windows. I would too, if everybody focused constantly on my hair and my looks and my appearance, you're going to start to deface yourself just as a rebellion. And, you know, it's too bad that she did that when she had two kids and she had to, you know, really get it together for the sake of the kids because that's the kind of stuff you should do when you're 15 and not 25 or however old she was. So there you go. Those are my thoughts on poor Britney Spears. All right. Final thought on that is that we will have to do karaoke and sing Britney Spears because I do want to hear your singing voice. So Her singing voice used to be very good. It is no longer that great. Um, and it's no longer that great, um, as I said, because I didn't necessarily take care of it in my teenage years. Um, but I, I, one thing I, I don't know if I ever told you is I actually have perfect pitch. What? Yes. Yes. I can hear if somebody is off, I can hear it. Um, and I used to be able to, to have it, but, um, which is kind of a rare thing to have. Um, and I still can hear it if somebody's pitch is off. Um, but I can no longer do it. Unfortunately. Well, see, it's a good thing we do this podcast cause we balance each other out. I took piano for 12 years and after two years into it, my piano teacher asks if I'm dyslexic. <laughs> so I, piano for a long time and little known fact my hands still I have these really stubby short fingers um which I'm surprised you have not yet made fun of because everybody else I know has and they were never big enough to make an octave so I never I could never I think I think they finally are potentially long enough to make an octave but when I was little I could never play piano the way I should have because I could never do make an octave um and also I because I have this good pitch um, and I was very musically inclined, I would memorize the music. So I never actually learned to read music. And after a couple of years, my piano teacher got wise to it um, and basically said, either you're going to take this seriously or you're not. And plus your little stubby fingers <laughs> need to grow a little bit more. <laughs> By the way, I was like 10 at this age. This wasn't like I was three, like I was 10. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Look, look at how stubby my fingers are. And um, and so as a result, I, I had to give up piano. And my poor parents still have this piano in their house, which has not been tuned since I believe they got it in 1983 or so. And my father keeps saying, oh, I'm going to first he said I was going to keep it. I'm going to keep it for my grandchildren. I'm going to keep it for the grandchildren. Well, the grandchild showed up. He has zero interest in learning how to play piano. And so I guess he's keeping it out for the great grandchildren because uh, all mine wants to do is learn how to play drums and I live in a New York city apartment and that's a no go for uh, <laughs> my sanity and the sanity of our neighbors. So I think, uh, music. all right, Julie. So what is making you salty this week? Um, you know, what's making me salty? Ivanka Trump. Oh, Miss Goya. Well, no, not Miss Goya. I mean that too, obviously, but not Miss Goya. Um, they, she and, um, a few other people, from the administration have this new PSA out. Basically she has this thing where she, she puts out this PSA 
Um, it's a, she did a round table and included IBM executive chairman, Ginny Romney and Apple CEO, Tim Cook, poor um, Tim Cook and Ginny Romney, because I'm sure they were mortified or didn't want to be in this. But um, she unveiled a new jobs initiative this week titled Find Something New, which encourages the country's laid off workers to consider alternative career paths. Uh, we're at 11% unemployment. What alternative career paths are you talking about? People need work and people need jobs. And it's all very nice for them to train for something else if the Trump administration were actually providing real funding for job retraining purposes. But the reality is right now they're trying to pay the bills and to tell them find something new and especially coming from somebody who's never had to go out there and get a job. I mean, she literally went to work for dad who went, who went to work for his own dad. She monetized her time on The Apprentice to create this brand for herself in jewelry and shoes and clothing, whatever else, where she only did that because she was a celebrity by virtue of the fact that her father and she were on The Apprentice, where they played what we always joke are poor people's definition of rich people, because in reality, everybody knows that Donald Trump was a totally unsuccessful businessman. Everybody in New York certainly knew that. Um, and here she is with this noblesse oblige nonsense telling people, oh, just find something new to do. Really? Why don't you find something new to do, Ivanka? Because every job, I mean, even the job she has today, she has because of her family. It, it's just, and, and then everybody's like, stop picking on Ivanka, stop picking on the president's children. You don't get to have it both ways. I'm not picking on Baron Trump because Baron Trump is, out of, is not on the public dole. Baron Trump is not out there spouting nonsense in some official capacity. But if you put yourself out there as a senior aide, and by the way, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner made tens of millions of dollars last year as public servants. This I mean, is really infuriating. And also, didn't Hillary Clinton got smashed when she said that coal workers should find a new, a new profession? And that's well, but I mean, like Hillary Clinton got smashed for using a private server. Meanwhile, Jared and Ivanka used the private server to do all their stuff nonstop, including government. It's just, it's just so how out of touch is this? Because then training, like, are you going to go to school online? How are you going to afford that? There's no thought process that's happening whatsoever. But it's such a middle finger to people, right? It's such a, it's such a disdainful way to look at it. And Ivanka, let's be clear, has never created jobs in her life. She started companies based on her celebrity. And now the company's essentially... She had to associate herself with it. But what exactly qualifies Ivanka Trump to be telling anybody what to do? Literally Honestly, nothing. I mean, she went to Penn. Her father went to Penn, right? I mean, all these things are based on nepotism. It would be as ridiculous as if my son in 20 years went to work for me and was like, oh, everybody find, you know, find something else to do if you can't get a job. Well, you got a job because of me. Like, you work for me. Um, and because of me. And now, like, he'd be telling other people to get a job. Like, people of his, like, friends of his, you know, from high school or college. Oh, you guys can't get a job. Oh, yeah, you really should. We'll find something to do. Well, no. The only reason you have a job is because you work for your mom. And that's exactly what her life is. It's just, it's so tone deaf and frustrating and a slap in the face. And what's really making me salty about this is not the moronic 
nonsense that she's spouting, because what do you expect? Um, it's that the same people who would go ballistic if this were said about by anybody other than a member of the Trump family just contort themselves into pretzels to make excuses for it. We're getting a little off topic here, but I look at Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions lost his election to get his old Senate seat back in Alabama. And here's my attitude. Good. You know why? Because Jeff Sessions sold his soul to the devil. He endorsed Donald Trump early. He was he gave him actually I think Jeff Sessions may have been the first, if not one of the first senators, to endorse him and gave him this veneer of acceptability within the establishment Republican Party. And I hope that's a life lesson for all these other people. Guess what? Stop making excuses for this man because he's never going to make excuses for you. He wants 100% fealty. And even when he gets it, he still screws you. He still screws you. If it's in his interest to screw you. He has no loyalty. None. Zero. The reason he commuted Roger Stone's sentence is not because Roger Stone's been loyal to him for 100 years, even though he has. It's because Roger Stone's got the goods on him. Simple as that. The reason he didn't commute Michael Cohen's sentence is because Michael Cohen spoke out against him. Michael Cohen's another Jeff Sessions. There's another great example. Somebody who fell on the sword, fell on the sword, fell on the sword. And then when he couldn't do it anymore, because he was in personal legal jeopardy, He's in prison. Jeff Sessions, run out of town on a rail. I don't feel bad for them. I just don't. Because you got to know what you're in bed with. And, no. these, and the Republican voters, going back to Ivanka, are exhibit A of that. Because what they're doing is effectively making excuses for the woman and the family that is going to take them down. Because they are. They are. Susan Collins, I hope she loses. Lindsey Graham, I really hope he loses because they know better. They know better. And when they lose and they're of no use to Donald Trump anymore, do everything he'll, he'll return their phone calls. Let's assume that Lindsey Graham loses his election and Donald Trump wins his election. Unlikely, but let's assume that happens. You think that Donald Trump will ever return Lindsey Graham's phone call again when he doesn't need him anymore in the Senate or Susan Collins for that matter? Never. He'll forget who they are. Never. It's the same, though, how he looks at his, at the voters, too, and, and the voters who support him amid this coronavirus and, and don't believe that this is real, that it's a Chinese hoax, up until when they get it. And it's like, I, I, I am having trouble feeling bad for the people who tell me that it's not real, and then they get it, or then their grandma gets it, because you said it wasn't real. You know what my attitude about that is? He has such disdain for his voters, because he gets... A test every day. I can promise you nobody comes within a thousand feet of him unless they've been tested. I know this because I know people have gone to the White House for meetings with him. You have to have a test before you walk in. And yet he's telling people, don't worry about it. Don't wear a mask. Go back to school. You know, go ahead. Send your kids back to school. No problem. I mean, we have anecdotes of this. Israel sent their kids back to school. They had a massive spike. Literally set them back because they did it too soon. Other countries waited. They had real lockdowns. Remember that video of those mayors in Italy who were going around on the streets screaming at people to get back in their houses? Still my favorite video. Still my favorite video of 2020. Well, guess what? The European Union, in a much better place than we are because they took it seriously. 
It was really painful. I spoke, listen, you know, I have cousins in France. I spoke to my cousins in France. They were literally in lockdown in Paris. They were, I think for a long time, you know, they were shocked that we were able to walk around the streets in New York and go to Central Park. Um, and because they were not allowed to go outside except to go to the supermarket, I think only for a certain period of time. And I think only one member of the family, like it was very hardcore. Um, they're in a much better place than we are now because they actually sacrificed. Um, but you can't tell the voters, which is what Trump is doing, that it's going to be easy. Don't worry about it. Or your governor, Ron DeSantis, who has got to be, you know, brought up on human rights abuses. Um, that's a joke, by the way, but only barely. People, people like that, because all they care about is themselves. They don't care. They don't care. Who's coming around Ron DeSantis right now who hasn't been tested? Right. He's not letting anybody near him. Of course not, because he's got executive protection. That's the part that's infuriating to me. It's just how much disdain they have for their voters and how much their voters just reward them with bland loyalty. Well, what is making me both happy and salty? Colorado Governor Jared Polis, the first out gay governor in the U.S., signed four pro-LGBTQ bills into law yesterday including one that will make Colorado the 11th state to ban gay and transgender panic defenses. What's making me salty is that it's the only 11th state to do this. But what a gay or transgender panic defense is, is when a defendant argues that they were threatened or just their sense of heterosexuality was threatened when they learned that their victim was LGBTQ, so they panicked and attacked. Uh, Wait, 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 let me get this straight because I've actually never heard of this, which is a shame. You're telling me that this is almost like a stand your ground situation where um, if I were around you and I learned that you're um, gay, I would feel free to punch you in the face and that, that, would, that would be okay? Yes. Because why? Because, quote, um, your, you were, your sense of heterosexuality was threatened. I must have really big questions about my sense of heterosexuality if it's threatened by a gay person. <laughs> right. Me thinks I may not be a heterosexual after all if it's threatened by somebody who's around me who's gay. I know. You might be gay. Like, this Guess what? You, you, yeah, Mike Pence, you might be gay. Yeah. If you're, if you're threatened that much, it's because you're gay. And it's, it's, you know, it's just... I, I got to say, as somebody uh, who is heterosexual, like, I am what I am. And no amount of gay people being around me is going to make me question my sexuality, right? Like, what, what, what did they? Right. What? Like, what? I know. Let's take that that to, um, let's take that to a parallel analogy. If I'm a white person and my sense of whiteness is threatened by somebody who's African-American, I have the right to punch them. Well, I mean, what? I mean, is that basically the same thing, right? Right. So, yeah. Why, it's, is the, a, why is that not acceptable for race, but it's acceptable for sexual orientation? Which, by the way, I don't think we should call it sexual orientation because it seems to me like orientation is a choice. Right. Right. Like I choose to orient myself one way or the other. And the reality is nobody chooses to orient themselves one way or the other when it comes to sexuality. You just are much like you are just black or white or Asian or whatever race you're born with. Um, but 
what um i've never heard of this i know this this um really surprised me so it's called gay and transgender panic defense so in again it's the only the 11th state in the country to do this to pass a law so that means 39 other states wait this are you like, telling me that somebody's actually gone to court and said yes i assaulted that gay man but i did it because his being gay threatened my heterosexuality and i didn't know what else to do yes and they've won based on that argument or that, that or that argument was allowed to be introduced and not as a joke, but really was introduced as a defense. Yes, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, one of the state rep, Brian Titone, said, for me, what this bill really means is protecting black trans women who are most vulnerable of the communities we're trying to protect here. But it, it's well, people. Forget the trans, the black part of it. The trans part of it is the most interesting part of this because you're telling me that if a trans person stands next to you, let's say a, let's say a woman um, stands next to you, a transsexual woman stands next to you, transgender woman stands next to you, suddenly I'm going to be like, I don't feel my, my sense of being a woman is threatened because this, 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 this man decided to have sex reassignment surgery and is now a woman, and now I'm not sure about myself. Maybe I want to do the same. This it's, goes back full circle to our Brittany conversation of maybe people should have a little bit self, more self confidence, right? Who they are, and not worry so much about what other people think. Um, that's crazy, and that's insane. And congratulations, Colorado. But I just can't even believe that this is something that a court of law would entertain as a defense. It's it's totally crazy. Um... So yeah, that's making me, I'm really happy for Colorado, but I'm really uh, sad to learn first that that even existed. And second, that again, Colorado is only the 11th state to do this. Um, so. it, may, it may be because other well-meaning governors and other well-meaning states had the same react, might have the same reaction upon hearing that this is actually a thing as I do, which is, I can't even believe this is an issue that we have to ban. All right. It was so good talking to you. When are you back? When are you back in the North? I am... I will do my final podcast down here with you. Uh, and That's then it. I'm, yep. And then after that, I'm coming back up, going to quarantine for the allotted amount of time. And then I'm going to get to your place to drink. Fabulous. All, All right. right Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.